0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the podcast of champions.
1: back the 30. are down to the 20. All the out the field.
2: I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online.
3: And here he goes, Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from
0: USCFootball.com. Liner
4: gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown SC.
0: We are the podcast of champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com Network.
3: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com Network. And we are the Podcast of Champions. Talking about Pac-12 football, we're previewing all six Pac-12 Bowl games. If you want to email us any questions, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Pac-12podcast. Our website is Pac-12podcast.com. Lots of information there. And, of course, Go to you can call our voicemail at six four one seven one five thirty nine hundred extension seven three four nine seven two. If you wanna leave us a question, we're gonna do a bowl preview show today. And then we're gonna do a recap show after all of the Pac-12 bowl games. Potentially, you know, Washington could have say, one more after yeah. that. Right? Potentially a national championship preview. Hey, don't don't discount it. I'm not. No, I'm saying that's we could potentially do that, Dave. And uh yeah, so that that'll be our show. We'll we'll preview the six bowls and we got some uh some questions to get to. Dave, hope you had a very merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Welcome back.
0: Yeah, no, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. We uh we what, last recorded about 2 weeks ago. So, it's nice to uh to be back in the saddle, so to speak. It's been a weird bowl season. We've gotten a lot of games already under our belts, but no Pac-12 teams have played so far, uh which is kind of a rarity. Usually yeah. a Pac-12 team is one of the in one of the first few bowl games cuz the bowl tie-ins are generally kind of crappy especially for the lower tier uh Pac-12 teams who get in. Uh but this year there were no lower tier Pac-12 teams who got in. It was the top 6 and nobody else. So we get we only get 6 bowl games, but what we do get is choice and that's nice.
3: Yeah, that's it's a higher quality. It's funny, I don't know how many bowls you've been watching. I've been so I've just got back. I was traveling to see my in-laws down in Tennessee. So I'm back in LA now, but the I'm I'm right now in my office. I got Boston College and Maryland. Both, you know, neither one has a winning record. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh, poor records out there, I guess you could say. Dave playing a bowl games early on.
0: Yeah the uh, the SB Nation guys, I think they they went back and they determined that today's slate of bowl games is the worst slate of bowl games of all time in a single day. Because um, wow. you've got you've got uh, Mississippi State, Miami of Ohio was the first one of the day. Then you've got Boston College and Maryland, and then what's the third one? I think it's like Vandy and somebody else. Anyway, um, so it hasn't been great. I think uh, the 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 six teams playing today have no more than six wins. I any of them, uh, <laughs> which is which is not good. Um, but all of the Pac-12 teams that are playing have at least eight wins. Um, so the Pac-12 uh, at least showing out in their top six. So. We're gonna preview all of those games today, and then take some uh, reader questions at the end. So should be a fun show.
3: Do you kind of like? Would you rather have like a Las Vegas bowl in there with somebody that, that snuck in at five and seven or six and six? Or do you kind of like that?
0: No, because I watched enough of the Pac-12 this year. Right? <laughs> like we we watched enough of those bottom six teams to not really want to watch any more of that. Like I, I you know, speaking as a guy who had to watch every single minute of every single UCLA game this year. Very happy they didn't finish five and seven and sneak into a bull game. Very happy about that fact. Um but like, yeah, do I want to watch more Cal? Do I wanna watch more Oregon? I mean that, you could talk me into some Oregon State. They were looking pretty decent by the end of the year. Um, but I don't want to watch either of the Arizona schools. So I'm I'm altogether pretty pleased with this back to a bull schedule. You know, it's it's a shame that we didn't get to see a team we were more familiar with in the first week or two of Bull games, but I will take it just so I don't have to watch any of those teams play again.
3: Fair enough. Um, I was I was a little mixed. I was like, oh, it'd be nice to see, but you, I guess you always felt like the SEC they were so backloaded on their bowl schedule. So I think the Pac-12 it feels more like a an adult league now that they're not playing, <laughs> you know, before Christmas.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's by virtue of you know Vegas and I, what's the eighth one? Is it Cactus? I
3: think uh, yeah, I think that's what it is.
0: Yeah, so by virtue of not having those teams, those teams eligible, it certainly helps to uh, create the illusion
3: of quality at I least. Mean, so, nice. so we don't have any picks to go over from our last show because there's been no games. So we'll do uh, our picks for the six Pac-12 bowl games. The latest uh, standings, if you remember from last time, Dave uh, caught up a little bit. He went four and zero in the non-Pac-12 championship games. Um, so he's better picking the other schools than uh, than Pac-12. Um, but we're we're basically it's almost tied. It's 48. I'm 48, 32 and three. Dave's 46, 34 and three. So we're within two games. Both well above 500. Both making you lots of money on our picks. So uh, hopefully you guys are making lots of money in Vegas. Um, yeah. And I guess we'll just go in order of the they're going to be played. Dave, you want to do that? That makes sense to me.
0: I mean, I don't think we're doing any more power rankings at this point. So let's just start from the. Uh From tomorrow and work our way up. All right, yeah. So today is Monday, um, December 26th. We're talking about the bowl games today,
3: and that's what we're recording. So we wanted to get in before the first Pac-12 bowl game, which Dave said is tomorrow. That's on Tuesday, uh, depending when you're listening to this. Um, But this is December 27th. You have Minnesota from the Big Ten taking on Washington State
0: Cougars. All right, this game will be on at 4 p.m. on ESPN in the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, California, in a very, very bad stadium called Qualcomm. Uh, Washington State favored by a whopping 10.5 points. That's the second biggest spread uh, in a Pac-12-related bowl game. We'll get to the next one uh, shortly. Um, probably the biggest news has nothing to do with this game. Uh, Luke Falk returning for his final season. Uh, it was announced today. Um, so that's very, very good news for Washington state and Washington state fans. Um, you know, I was a kind of a, a Luke Falk doubter, I think probably eh, midway through last season. Um, but he's really shown himself to be, yeah, I, I don't think he's just a system quarterback that that term gets thrown around a lot. I think he has, uh, he has the kind of touch, the kind of ball placement that I think could translate to the next level. Um, he will get another year though to prove his metal, which is very good. Um, As for this game, um, you know, Minnesota, I think, is a solid quality team. I watched a little bit of them this year. I watched them against Oregon State, and I think I watched them against, I want to say, Nebraska and maybe Wisconsin. Um, They've done well beating up kind of weaker teams. Um, They've, you know, kind of done what they've needed to do, and they've lost to pretty much every good to very good team they've played. They lost at Penn State. They lost versus Iowa at home. They lost at Nebraska, and they lost at Wisconsin. Now, none of these games were blowouts. Um, they, they lost by three to Penn State, by seven to Iowa, by seven to Nebraska, by 14 to Wisconsin. But they've been in pretty much every game they've played, and they've, you know, done what they've needed to do against, you know, there's a quality Northwestern win in there, and Northwestern's not a bad team this year. Um, Oregon State, which I don't think is a bad team this year, they beat them by seven. So, they're a quality team. I don't know if they have the firepower of Washington State when Washington State is peaking. The question is, will Washington State be up for this game? Um, Washington State has had a tendency uh, to kind of just have some weird games from time to time. Um, motivation can sometimes be an issue for Mike Leach teams. Um, you know, they lost Eastern Washington to start the year, got blown out by Washington. Um, I'm thinking Washington State wins this. I don't think they cover ten and a half. Um, I've got Washington State probably winning about a touchdown, something like a 31-24 result for Washington State. I think they've got just kind of more offensive p- firepower than Minnesota can bring to bear. Um, But Minnesota's played a lot of close games, and they've got a solid defense. So I think Washington State wins. I don't think they cover 10.5. Wow,
3: you just jumped right in, Dave. All right. Um, Well, first, okay, <laughs> so you started this off. Qualcomm is an absolute dump. It's a dump. It's terrible. Such a- it's the worst. It's like the worst stadium I've ever been in. It's awful. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Chargers if they end up coming to LA, which actually would probably be pretty good right now because the Rams aren't all that
0: popular. So maybe, you know. What have we learned, Ryan? What have we learned about NFL teams in LA? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Stop (laughs) stop compounding the problem by bringing more of them to not be supported. I mean, the Chargers are what are they this year? Aren't they like a five win team or something? They just lost to Cleveland. Yeah. So, okay. um, Stop bringing these crappy teams to LA. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a crappy NFL team, a crappy NBA team, a crappy college team, whatever it is. They're not going to get any fan support if they're crappy. If you want to, if you want to bring a team that's like a 12 win team to LA, great. But they're probably not going to want to move if they're a 12 win team. It's just, it's, it's a stupid idea. stupid idea. And bringing in uh, the Rams, there should have been some rule that, like, you know, a quorum of fans would have to approve the draft choice because <laughs> drafting Jared Goff with the number one pick, and, you know, I, I like Jared Goff. I think he's a solid college quarterback, and I think he'll be a solid NFL player. He's not the number one pick in the draft. Anyway, gotcha. continue with what you were saying.
3: Well, the uh, it's funny because you, you get 20-something years of being used to not having to see, like, a bad NFL game. Yeah. if you didn't want to. And so we were in, I was in Tennessee with like my in-laws family and, uh, I'm like, Oh yeah, there's a game. I would, the Rams will probably be on. We could turn that on. And it was like a different game. I'm like, Oh wow. I don't have to watch the Rams. <laughs> so it's like, I almost forgot. It's like well, it's only been a year and I've already like forgot what it was like to just be able to watch like the better game. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at least the chargers would have a little of excitement cause they can, you know, throw the ball around a little bit, but, um, Philip Rivers has like eight kids. I don't know how long he's going to keep playing, but he can he can definitely uh, <laughs> throw the ball over. I think it's like literally has eight kids. Like I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think he has that. No, many. I don't.
0: I don't think so. I think he. I think he's got a lot of children. Yeah.
3: Um. I don't know how we went down there, but okay. So Qualcomm's terrible, which is fine. Kids are kids
0: are kids are fine. They're great. Yeah. 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 Um. You're on your way. You're on your way yeah. there. Um, yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm a quarter of the way there. <laughs> I still got a long ways to go because I'm on zero. But oh, uh, but hey, you know, once you get that first one under your belt, you're 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 ready to go. It's
3: a they just keep coming.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. They just multiply.
3: So you already but made I, your pick. We have it. Ec, we have experts to weigh in on this. So I was going to wait to hear what our experts say <laughs> before I made my pick because this is important. You know, this is the final what a trial run. What a trial run this
0: game was. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um. That's I mean, okay. you you're just like. You're just calling your shot early, which is fine. But if you hear uh, – you can reserve the right if you hear something from our board, Barry, uh, that makes you want to change, then you can do that. All right. Sounds good. All right. Here we go. Here's our uh, expert analysis coming up.
1: Washington State versus Minnesota in the Holiday Bowl. This is Barry Bolton at Coogfan.com. The sexual assault allegations and investigations regarding Minnesota almost resulted in this game not being played after the Minnesota players threatened the boycott. The boycott didn't last long, but the lingering effects will. It will also affect the game and into the offseason for Minnesota. On paper, Washington State should tear up a depleted Minnesota secondary, but Minnesota can still bring pressure. And if Falk doesn't have enough time on a consistent basis, that could, of course, balance things out. Offensively, Minnesota has a powerful running attack, and they have a quarterback who can run. The last time out against a running quarterback, Washington State wore down in the second half versus Colorado in Week 11. They lost the lead and the game in the second half. Washington State on offense will be challenged, but in the end, it's hard to see wazoo being contained for all four quarters. The big question here is the cougar d they know what's coming can they shut down the minnesota run game can they try to force minnesota to beat them with the pass something that minnesota has not done well all season and trying to go through the air everyone always talks about the importance of a fast start but it's critical here for two reasons one the cougs have had some extended slow starts of season and made life difficult on themselves at times two the longer that Washington State lets Minnesota stay in the game and gain confidence, the better for Minnesota and the worse for Wazoo. On paper, it's a mismatch. Washington State should win this game going away, but games aren't played on paper. Tuesday, 4 p.m. on ESPN, we'll find out if Washington State can put together back-to-back nine win seasons.
3: Thanks to uh, Barry for calling in and uh, giving his preview of the game. Um so a couple of things. Yeah, I think it's huge that Luke Falk's coming back. Um, the way he can sling it all over the field. Uh, it's going to be, it just makes the Pac-12 North that much more interesting. It's already very interesting up there. So um, another great, should be another great Apple Cup. Uh, we'll see if they can get off the snide and beat an FCS team to start the season next year. But uh, good stuff there. The boycott I thought was really interesting, Dave. And I don't know, I started, re- I didn't read too much into it, but I started reading some of it. And I, I love reading like the comments, the Twitter comments of people are like the charges were dropped or whatever. And, uh, or, you know, that, that I guess there was consent given on video, like all this crazy stuff that was going on. But then more people came in the room that weren't uh, consensual. There was like 10 people involved and it's obviously 10 people got suspended. Um, yeah. it just sounded like a horrible, horrible situation. And I think, I don't know. Do you think there's any kind of lingering effect from that? Obviously the, the boycott, you know, ended and they're going to play the game, but there was all kinds of talk about they weren't even going to play this game or someone's got to sub in or the winner of the Poinsettia Bowl could play this play this one like a play-in game or something. It was kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, it's hard to judge that sort of thing. My whole thing on that is like I love when, you know, players, you know, use their platform to, you know, make some other stand about something great. Um, pick something better than this. I mean, it's <laughs> At best, it's a he said, she said thing, but at worst, it's really, really bad. And so just don't use this as like a platform to protest or it's just maybe not the right thing. Anyway, um, yeah, I don't don't know how it would affect the game. Um, It kind of depends on the mentality of that locker room, the whole deal. Um, If they're really just, you know, so bent out of shape about, you know, the players being suspended that they're not going to come out and perform. I I guess that's a possibility. Or if they're fired up to, you know, take out their aggression on another team, that could play in their advantage. I'm not sure the way that would play out. It's always tough to gauge without knowing, like the chemistry of a locker room, how that stuff is going to uh, play out on the field. Um, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? You know, it seemed like it seemed like it was early enough where
3: they could kind of put it behind them. Um, Does it? You know, was practice. It was thing. Were things impacted earlier on? Yeah, but that was like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be too big uh, of a factor. But it was there. It was something that the you know players were talking about, and there was had to be negotiations, and you know potentially not playing the game. So it was something to think about. Besides all the other stuff you got to think about, like finals and getting ready for the bowl game and stuff. So I don't think it has zero impact. I'm just not sure it's going to have that big of one. The problem is for bowl games there's so many things that happen between your last game and the bowl game uh and you're talking about 18 19 20 year old kids that break up with their girlfriends or there's so many things that happen between now and then and you see teams come out they were playing hot at the end of the year and play like crap in a bowl game or were playing like crap and play great a bowl game um i think that's just kind of the nature of it's just you know it's you know, almost a month later in a lot of these kids' lives, and you just don't, not sure all the things that have happened and what can motivate them and what can't. I don't think it would have a positive impact, but, you know, it'll probably be meddled in with all the other stuff, you know, all mixed in. Uh, I'm not really sure it'd be that big of a deal. I do think the, you know, if you talk about a running quarterback and Washington State's had some problems with that, and, you know, most people do. Um, is that something where it kind of wears the the Cougars down? Uh, they weren't able to come up with an offense exp- explosion early, and they keeps it close. Uh, that's how I think this game would be close, uh, Dave. As if it's something like that, where I, I think Washington State could come out and score, go up twenty-one nothing, and just kind of blow them away. But if it's not, if it's not an offensive explosion to start, I think Minnesota is good enough to to keep it close, and it'll be like a more of a Big Ten kind of feel, and it won't be a, a two touchdown win, and they wouldn't cover the spread.
0: Where, where, what are you picking? That's, That's a I very good
3: pick. question. I'm kind That's of going back and forth in my head. Do I want to just go against Dave? Um, you know, I'm gonna, I think, I'm, I think it's gonna be one of those things where it's gonna be closer than we think that Washington State wins, but it's just, it gets uglied up. It just gets, there's mud yeah. and whatever. Nuts. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Minnesota as well, getting 10 and a half.
0: Yeah. And they always, I don't know if this is true. I always feel like the Holiday Bowl kind of a crappy game. Maybe that's just my own residual history with it.
3: It used to be great. It used to yeah. be really—I mean, one of the more exciting ones. And uh it's just not anymore. I think when Pacific Life stopped being the sponsor, it's like—I think it's probably when it was. You know. I think it's when the Big Ten got
0: involved. Who was it before? It was the Big Twelve, right? Yeah, the Big, Big 12. Twelve. Big yeah. Twelve. But then that was—I mean, that was Baylor just destroying UCLA in 2012. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway. All
3: right. Well, we'll agree on that one, uh, Minnesota. And so you're not changing your pick after hearing Barry?
0: Nah, no. Nah, he only reinforced my already strong belief. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm we'll see. It.
3: Let's. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching that one though. So, okay. So that was the first bowl game. Next up, we have this one's going to be a little team called Indiana, uh, not the basketball team because they're pretty good.
0: Taking on Utah Utes. All right. This one's on Wednesday, December 28th at 530 PM on Big Fox. Uh, this is the Foster Farms Bowl in Santa Clara, six and six Indiana playing number 19 Utah, eight and four. Uh, Utah is favored by six and a half points. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to not be stupid this time and we're going (laughs) to instead go to Brian Sweeney who will tell us all about the youths going into this game. All right. Here we go.
4: The University of Utah is going to head off to Santa Clara, California next week for the Foster Farms Bowl. They'll take on 6-6 six and six Indiana out of the Big Ten. Indiana coming in with an interim head coach after dismissing their coach at the end of the season. The Utes finished the season with a bit of a stud, 8-4 and four on the year, but lost their last two, one of those at home to Oregon and then on the road to Colorado as the Buffs went on to win the Pac-12 South Championship. Utah one of the stranger stories in college football this season. Uh, Joe Williams retiring two games into the season, coming back a month later, and then putting up all-conference performance all season long was arguably the best running back in all of college football after his return, uh, culminating with a 332-yard performance in the Rose Bowl against UCLA earlier this season. The Utes, though, outside of Williams, struggled again on offense. It's what they do year in and year out. Not a ton of production in the passing game. In this season, Troy Williams was Pedestrian, about much of Pac-12 play. And uh, this is going to be a huge game for the University of Utah offense. Not necessarily for the players. We'll see what kind of motivation they have ending up in a bowl game they didn't necessarily want to be in. But mostly for the coaching staff. And that's not Kyle Whittingham. That's his offensive staff, mainly offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. If the youth put up another poor offensive performance, particularly in the red zone where they've struggled all season long, Roderick's job could be on thin, thin ice, and we'd probably have to expect an offensive coordinator change at some point this offseason. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, you know what you're getting out of University of Utah. They had a great, great defense again this season, led by free safety uh, Marcus Williams. He's probably going to leave for the NFL draft after this season, this being his junior year. Right next to him was Chase Hansen, who's also very good at that safety spot. The youths are going to lose all over starting cornerbacks. That's four of them, Justin Thomas, Brian Allen, Dominique Hatfield, who may or may not play in this bowl game it's, uh, against Indiana due to some disciplinary reasons, and Reggie Porter. But the youth do have that strong offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line, again, led by Lowell Delele and Hunter Demick, who had 14 sacks this season. The linebacking core, we'll see what they look like against Indiana. But this is going to be a strange matchup for Utah. They're significantly more talented than Indiana is. If they want to come out and just enforce their will, they can absolutely do that and beat this Indiana team by two or three touchdowns. We'll see what kind of motivation they have. And if any of these players, particularly Marcus Williams and, and Garrett Bowles, the offensive lineman along with Lolo Tulela, if they're looking ahead to the NFL draft and they want to jump early, or if some of the seniors who may possibly be drafted are looking ahead to that draft and not necessarily focused on the bowl game prep. Should be an interesting one. Utah should win this. But again, it's going to come down to motivation and also that offensive execution in the red zone where Utah struggled for much of the season.
0: All right, good stuff from Brian. Um, so Indiana has had a whole lot of drama coming into this game, too, kind of like Minnesota, but different. Uh, Kevin Wilson, their coach, uh, so Indiana's not a great program. They went 6-6 six and six this year. Typically after a 6-6 six and six year, your head coach might get an extension at Indiana, not certainly not fired or resigned. Uh, Kevin Wilson, uh, was fire resigned. I don't know. He resigned, but it was forced, um, due to some treatment of players issues, the whole deal. Um, so his defensive coordinator, Tom Allen, is now the head coach going into this game. And this presents an interesting question about motivation again. Um, if Indiana, uh, if the Indiana players are more motivated to play for a guy like Tom Allen, who's I mean, especially if treatment of players was an issue for Wilson, um, maybe they're a little bit more fired up to play for Tom Allen and kind of show out for the new head coach. That generally happens with new head coaches in general, Um, and I wonder if that's going to happen in this case. Um, you know, uh, I thought Brian touched on some good points, and especially that Utah is probably a more talented team than Indiana, but Indiana does have a very good defense, and again, sort of like Minnesota, and this might just be the nature of Big Ten play, uh, they didn't get blown out much at all. I mean, they they lost to Wake, what turned out to be a pretty good Wake team, by five. They lost by three touchdowns at Ohio State, which is altogether not bad. Uh, lost by five to Nebraska, lost by 10 to Northwestern, lost by a couple of touchdowns to Penn State, and lost by 10 to Michigan, and that was a close game. Um, they're not a bad team. Um, offensively, they certainly had some issues this year, but defensively, they're pretty strong. Um, I could see Utah struggling a little bit offensively in this one um you know utah's got kind of a uh one-dimensional offense very very geared towards the run um and troy williams been iffy at best this year at quarterback um i think i like indiana um uh, not to win but i think i like them covering the six and a half um i i think they they're going to be motivated in this game um i think getting to a bowl game for indiana is a great thing i don't think they're the kind who'll be disappointed about playing a you know, a somewhat marquee opponent, number 19 Utah um, in a West Coast Bowl game. I think they're going to be super happy to be there and super excited to play in this game. Um, so I think I like them to cover. And, I, yeah, I'll pick them outright. I think wow. Indiana. Dave, going
3: with uh, the Hoosiers outright. <clears throat> um, I, I agree with the assessment, though. I, I could see Indiana coming out and playing like crap because the coach got fired. But I kind of feel it's going to go the other way. We've seen some teams. At least play with heart, uh, for the interim coach or the next coach. And, um, I kind of get the feeling, Dave, that that's what's going to happen in this one and the Utah offense. And anytime I pick them, I just watch them and it's like, you know, peeling back your fingernails. It's so painful to watch. I'm (laughs) like, what is going on? Like how they can't be this bad. And, uh, there's just, I, I just had a lot of high hopes for Troy Williams. Um, and just he's up and down and mostly down. Joe Williams is great, obviously. Uh but I just feel again it's gonna be one of those I feel really confident if Indiana was getting seven and a half. Um, but I'm gonna take Indiana too. Uh I just kind of feel like it's gonna be a field goal sort of game. Um and if if Utah covers, it'll probably be like a lot, like cause Indiana just doesn't show up or something. But uh my guess is it's gonna be sort of similar to the other game we talked about with Washington State and Minnesota, and you're getting almost a touchdown. Or in, you know, Minnesota's case more than a touchdown. I just feel like I want to take the points in this situation.
0: Yeah, I feel like what you're doing actually is uh picking um the same pick as me so you maintain your lead in our, you know, friendly competition. Oh that's what I
3: think. Now, what well why don't I pick first in the next ones? Like you can hold Let's off your pick. It. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So the next four games, like you give your analysis and then save your pick, and then I'll give mine and I'll give my pick and then you give your pick. All right. Sounds and good. And you can just pick a opposite me if you'd like. If you just want to do that. So there's four games left. You're down by two. Um, yeah, I mean, I could switch one of those, but I just feel
0: like. No, 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 okay. no. I don't know. I don't know.
3: Okay. So, uh, next up. So those are two stadiums where Dave and I are not real fans of, uh, Qualcomm.
0: Oh, no, Levi uh, Stadium is butt too.
3: And Le- <laughs> that's new butt. Like at least Qualcomm's <laughs> old butt.
0: No, it's fresh butt, but it's still butt. (laughs) Uh,
3: This one, I I don't think you like as much. I kind of like, I've never covered a bowl game there, but I've done the Army stuff there, which I always have a pretty good time. Um, Down in San Antonio, we have uh, Oklahoma State taking
0: on
1: Colorado Buffalo.
0: It's the Alamo Bowl, 6 p.m. on ESPN on Thursday. Oklahoma State, number 12 in the country, 9 and 3. Uh but kind of with an asterisk. They're really ten and two. Um, because they lost a really BS game to Central <laughs> Michigan. Anyway, uh they're playing Colorado number ten, ten and three, uh number ten in the country, number one in our hearts. The Colorado Buffaloes. Um, Colorado favored by three. Imagine that. Colorado favored by three over number twelve team in the country, Oklahoma State, in a bowl game at the end of the year. And they were they were not in a bowl game last year. Go Colorado. Um this is great. Let's 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 listen to what Adam Munster Tiger has to say about the buffs in this game.
5: Colorado prepares for its first bowl game in 9 years without a defensive coordinator. Uncle Phil opened up his pocketbook and Jim Levitt left Boulder to join Willie Taggart's new staff up there in Eugene. Sources tell me Levitt set to earn 4.8 million on a 4-year deal with the Ducks, the most lucrative contract for a coordinator in Pac-12 history. Joe Tumpkin, who joined the Buffalo staff two years ago, the same time Levitt actually arrived in Boulder, is going to be making the defensive calls for the Buffaloes in the Alamo Bowl. He's moved from coaching the safeties, and now he's coaching the linebackers in Levitt's absence. Mike McIntyre, the head coach, actually has a lot of experience coaching defensive backs, so he's moved over to help out with the safeties now. Tumpkin, he was viewed really by the players as a co-defense coordinator already. He had a big hand in the, the game plan and halftime adjustments and even, you know, would have his suggestions throughout a game called, uh, defensively. He was a defense coordinator at Central Michigan before arriving in Boulder, so it's not a, an unfamiliar hat for him to wear. Tumpkin uh, will be a candidate. McIntyre gives strong consideration to fill Levitt's shoes on a full-time basis going forward, but McIntyre has been uh, always pretty methodical with his coaching hires, even with the promotions, so nothing's going to be settled there until the, until the new year. Sefo Lufau, quarterback, re-injured that right ankle early in the Pac-12 championship game, but he's been practicing, expected to be 100% by game time, which will, of course, be his final contest in the Buffaloes uniform, and certainly hoping to bounce back from that performance in that Pac-12 title game. Only five quarterbacks nationally are averaging more passing yards per game than Oklahoma State's Mason Rudolph, so... You gotta expect the Cowboys are gonna be able, able to make some plays in, in an Alamo bowl that's really known for producing shootouts. But you look at this, Colorado matches up pretty favorably against the Cowboys. The Buffs, of course, have three cover corners and the teams they've struggled against this year, Michigan, USC, and Washington, all have pretty stout, pretty athletic defensive fronts and Oklahoma State does not have that. The, the Cowboys defense has given up more than 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, really close to 500 yards of total offense per contest they're yielding. So I would expect Philip Lindsay to get the ball early and often in this football game. Oklahoma State is pretty good at taking care of the ball. They're pretty good at creating turnovers 10th nationally in turnover margins. So obviously Sefa Lufau is going to have to make better decisions than he did in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, really, unless the Cowboys win the turnover battle by more than one though, I, I like the Buffs' chances to win on December 29th. When the the Bulls were announced There were a number of players that were pretty frustrated they didn't get in the Rose Bowl. They thought they were penalized for playing in that title game. But, again, this is a program that hasn't been to a bowl game in nine years. So none of these players have experienced this, and they're going to soak it all up. And they'll have a a top-ten finish nationally with a win over 12th-ranked Oklahoma State in this football game. So they've regrouped, and there's certainly no shortage of motivation heading out to San Antonio. Adam Tiger reporting for BuffStampede.com.
0: Great stuff from Adam. Um, so looking at Oklahoma State, uh, they have the one BS loss to Central Michigan where the play that Central Michigan won on shouldn't have counted. Of course, they were playing a close game with Central Michigan, which is their own fault. Uh, they lost to Baylor at the beginning of the year back when Baylor was still not tanking, um, but then Baylor tanked soon after that. But I think that was a legitimate loss. I mean, Baylor was decent enough at the beginning of the year. And then they lost to Oklahoma at the end of the year, but Sanders, between that, they beat up on a lot of bad big 12 teams um they're kind of the quintessential big 12 team uh great offense pretty much no defense at all um you know they're not quite texas tech but they're like the next tier after that uh in terms of all offense no defense um you know they've got a great passing attack colorado's got a pretty good secondary and i think adam hit on the key point which is colorado's offense which isn't quite at the level of Colorado's defense, um, has been stymied a little bit by athletic fronts this year. Uh, Oklahoma State doesn't have that. So Colorado should be able to move the ball. I think it's going to be a pure shootout. Um, but what's your take, Ryan? What's your take right. on this football game?
3: Okay, so if I just wanted to – I figure you're going to pick Colorado
0: <laughs> because, I, you know – you, you think so? You love the bus. Um, so
3: I was thinking what I wanted to do, trying to not take that into consideration. But I, I was a little – the fact that the the Buffs haven't been in a bowl game in, I think, 48 years, I think that was the was yeah, something like that? I think it was um, 49. Yeah. So to be unhappy that you fall out of the Rose Bowl, I, at that point, it's just like, hey, making a bowl game is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. Oklahoma State, I I like the... I, I don't think Colorado is going to be able to shut them down despite the athletic corners. Um, they're able to score a lot of points. I like the way they're playing towards the end of the year. Um, and... I, you know, I'm not yet. It's, it's nice that Cephaloufa is, is is practicing, but you're almost better off if he was just out and Stephen Montez just could prepare and be in there because it doesn't seem like he's as effective when he has to eventually come in the game, which he almost certainly does. I mean, almost certainly has to do. Um, he does better it seems when he prepares as the starter than coming off the bench. Um, I do like a lot of points in this game, uh, and I think that's going to favor Oklahoma State. So I'm going to take. This is my third time. Third time picking against the Pac 12 team and taking the points. I'm gonna take Oklahoma State plus three.
0: Buffs. I'm all buffs. <laughs> I'm all buffs all the time. Okay. Um I, I think their secondary is good enough to limit Oklahoma State's very prolific passing attack, and I think Colorado will be able to move the ball consistently against Oklahoma State like pretty much every other team was able to do this year. So uh yeah, give me the buffs. I think they win by like seven to ten.
3: Wow, nice. Um I think the other factor is that this is their first bowl game. Like this they haven't they don't have any experience to kinda of rely on. So if you're a little disappointed that you're in this one and you haven't been in a bowl game in quite a while, none of the players on the team obviously, uh, I think that could play into a factor. But who knows? I mean, as a Pac twelve fan, you want to see Colorado come out and play really well. Um, I think, you know, winning uh ten games is an amazing accomplishment and Mike McIntyre deserves all the credit he's been getting. I just
0: kinda like Oklahoma State in this one.
3: Okay. Uh, and that doesn't, Dave, you're not going to cry or
0: anything, right? Cause you, the no, no, okay. no, no, no. I mean, you've been wrong before. I've been, so, <laughs> been wrong a lot. We both? Yeah.
3: Uh, usually not with, with Colorado for some reason. Okay. So are they going to win the, the coin toss again? You think? Well, I think that, I mean, that's obvious. Yeah. That's duh. Like, okay. Yeah. So that, that that's like a point and a half, I think, in Vegas, if you win the coin toss. Yeah, it should be. Um, all right, so next up, uh, this one. In a part of Texas that's not as cool as San Antonio, at least some people think, uh, North Carolina taking on Stanford
1: Cardinal. All
0: right, on Friday, December 30th, at 11 a.m. on CBS, Stanford, number 18, 9 and 3, taking on North Carolina, 8 and 4, in the Hyundai Sun in El Paso, Texas. Uh, Stanford is favored by two and a half, despite Christian McCaffrey deciding he was going to move on college football and take his talents to the NFL early before his season is over. Um, Let's hear from RJ, our man.
6: Stanford takes on the North Carolina Tar Heels on December 30th in the Sun Bowl to wrap up their season. Keller Chris, Stanford's New starting quarterback will look to finish the season 6-0 since being the named starter at the Cardinal, after the Cardinals' loss to Colorado. The Cardinal will be attempting, of course, to turn the page on the Christian McCaffrey era as Bryce Love will be replacing him in the starting lineup. Love averaged 7.3 yards per carry on the season in his role as McCaffrey's backup, and in his one game as a featured back in McCaffrey's absence, he carried the ball for 24 times and 129 yards against the the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So big storylines. Everyone appears to be healthy for the most part for Stanford, and of course, Stanford will be playing North Carolina in El Paso without the services of Christian McCaffrey for the Bootleg.com. This is RJ Abadia.
0: RJ, kind of burying the lead right there. <laughs> um, so North Carolina. This is what I like to start with. Looking at the other team. Um, so they're they're a weird team this year offensively um very good but they lost to a bad georgia team to open the year they got blown out by virginia tech lost by a point to duke
6: to duke
0: it just let that one sink in and then <laughs> lost to nc state um th- they've got some good wins too they won at florida state won at miami they're kind of a boomer bust team um defensively they've been very porous at times um and it's obviously been a uh uh, a weird year for them, going eight and four, and they looked like a team that legitimately could go ten and two, um, but they had a kind of a disappointing end of the season, uh, losing at Duke and to NC State in the final three weeks, um, sandwiched around a great win over Citadel. Um, so North Carolina, uh, they're kind of a, a they're kind of a Big 12 team thrown into the ACC. Um, Stanford is, kind of a defensive team they're kind of a big tennis team thrown into the Pac-12 this year um, and they're going to be without Chris McCaffrey which should I think limit them a little bit more offensively you know I, I generally downplay the contributions of any one kind of running back or any one skill player but McCaffrey's kind of a different deal because he impacts the game in so many different ways he's their leading rusher he's one of their leading receivers he's their leading all-purpose guy so many different ways that it's hard to discount, um, or you can't discount uh, what he brings to the table. Um, Stanford's favored by two and a half, which is that's an interesting line. I don't know where do you stand on this one.
3: Yeah, I thought it'd be more than that. So my initial thought was Stanford would be favored by a little bit more. Um, yeah, I've seen North Carolina. I think they're they're capable. There's some, you know, they're capable of, of playing well at times, but just I, I think maybe every time I watched them, they weren't they were kind of garbage. Um, Stanford is just like, I think people still look at Stanford from the beginning of the season and, uh, getting blown out by the state of Washington and not looking favorably on things. And they played so much better. And, and like, like RJ said with, with Keller Kristen there, they seemed like a different team. Uh, I love the way love runs the football. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey's, you know, can do everything, but I don't really think they're going to need him in this one. They, you know, he, they seem to play fine when he was out before. Um, I'm going to take, uh, this will be my first Pac-12 team. I'm going to take Stanford, uh, given the two and a half. I, I feel like they're not going to beat anyone by, like, 21 points, but they'll solidly win
0: by, like, seven or ten. You're making this easy on me. Uh, North Carolina, yeah, give given to me. Give to me outright. Um, so Stanford, in the last five weeks, has played Arizona, Oregon State, Oregon, Cal, Rice. What do all those teams have in common? They're pretty good. No. <laughs> None of them are going to a bowl game. So the last bowl <laughs> team they played was Colorado, and they lost ten to five. They scored five points against a team this year. They scored five of them, five of the points. You can count them on one hand. <laughs> um, prior to that, uh, another non-bowl team, Notre Dame, uh, they beat them seventeen to ten. They scored seventeen points against a team that is not traveling to a bowl this year. They also lost forty-two to sixteen to Washington State and forty-four to six to Washington. Um, I think they're a different team than the one that lost to those Washington schools. I don't think they're that different. I think they beat up on some bad teams at the end of the year. I think they're finishing with a nice record. I think they still have some things to work out. And I think not having Chris McCaffrey in this game is going to limit what was already not a great offense. That said, they, they did get better offense with the end of the year. So, Looking at North Carolina, I think North Carolina can score some against the Stanford defense. I think Stanford's defense is good. I don't think it's, you know, one of those elite Stanford D's of years past. Um, the question is whether their offense can, you know, put up the 30 plus points they were doing in these last five games. Um, I think if they can score more than 30, they can beat North Carolina. I think they'll limit North Carolina to the high 20s. Um, but I don't know that they can. So I'm going to take North Carolina. I'm going to take them to win like 28, 24, something like that. Wow, no love for the cart. I mean, no love for the Pac-12, really. I mean, I've picked the Buffs and pretty much every other team.
3: Yeah, Uh, yeah, you did outright. You said outright for Indiana too, right?
0: (sighs) Oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going bearish on the Pac-12 right now.
3: Um, All right, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. I just kind of got a good feeling about Stanford. So, um, but who knows? I just uh, North Carolina. It's like, come on. Stanford, you got to go out. You can't, can't lay an egg against North Carolina.
0: But no. Dave thinks you will. I do. I do, Stanford. And your 12 fans are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> does, <laughs> do that you... mean, does that mean? I'm so sorry, guys. All <laughs> you Stanford fans who are listening to this podcast right now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> 12, all 12 fans. Okay. Um, do you want to do the Rose Bowl first and save the semifinal for last? Or do you want to do the semifinal first because it's played before?
0: Yeah, let's do the Rose Bowl first and then we'll do the, the playoff game.
3: Okay, so next up, the granddaddy of them all, uh, Big Ten's Penn State and the Pac-12,
0: USC Trojans. All right, so this is Monday, January second, that classic Rose Bowl day. <laughs> not why is this done on Sunday? Is it just because of the stupid NFL? The, yes, the 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 multi-billion-dollar business
3: that is the NFL. That
0: no one is watching, right? Like, aren't their ratings like all down?
3: It's kind of like. If you're like a you know a billionaire and you're down five percent, like yeah, that's a lot of money, but you're still a billionaire. Yeah, but it's uh, God, it's so unwatchable,
2: just
0: poop. Um, Anyway, (laughs) this game's on at two p.m. on ESPN. Number nine USC playing number five Penn State. USC is nine and three, rattling off what eight straight to finish the year. Uh, Penn State eleven and two in Pasadena. USC is favored by six and a half. Um, who are we going to do for this preview, Ryan? I mean, are we going to to the to shotgun? Are we going? <laughs> to who are we getting? It's just we getting? me. You got you got your start with me.
3: Well, with the uh, same thing. We'll have you do the UCLA pre. Oh wait. <laughs> Burn.
0: I don't know so, who you're burning there because I don't I, I don't think there's a single UCLA like person who's watched UCLA this year who wants to watch more UCLA this year. So. Uh, I think I think you're maybe a little more, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think there's
3: UCLA fans that would have liked to see another game. I I believe that.
0: I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think in their heart of hearts, I I, I don't want to believe that. I don't want to believe that anybody <laughs> wanted to watch that football team play more football this year.
3: All right. Well. Okay. So, uh, it's a pretty good matchup. Uh, I you know the spread's a little. You know, I think it's a little high, but you see what. You saw what Penn State was able to do earlier in the year against Ohio State. Uh, I certainly think Ohio State's a better team. Um, but you know, Penn State won that day and I, you know, maybe Ohio State wins eight out of 10, but that was the day and Penn State won and they, you know, won the big, the big 10. They were down big against Wisconsin. I had picked Wisconsin in that one. Dave picked Penn State. I think I told the story last time. I went out to get some drinks with my wife and a couple of friends and I turned on the TV. And it's like, what the heck happened? How did this happen? And, I you know, I went back and watched and the 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 long pass plays. It's just a really explosive offense. Trace McSorley for for Penn State and uh you know, Saquon Barkley's a great running back. Um you know, they've had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I think a bunch of those guys are back, but it's really to me, Dave, it's more about the explosive plays and it's just what which is weird, you think of, you know, a Big 10 team that that's not really what they're known for. That's what this this team is known for we did some advanced stats preview stuff up on uscfootball.com and usc is more of an efficient offense they do they get a bunch of chunk plays but it's like 15 yards it's not the the real big over the top stuff as much as penn state so i think if you can limit uh some of those big explosive plays um you're going to eliminate the offense or uh, you know not eliminate the offense you're going to really limit what this offense can do um and i think the usc defense is is good at creating a bunch of negative plays that's why they're efficient on defense too it's hard to go long drives against usc when usc gives up points it's guess what explosive plays so um it's funny it's it's kind of like strengths against strengths and weakness against weaknesses Um, uh, what's going to prevail to me but that, that's really what i want to watch if you're if you're watching this game if penn state's not scoring on 40 yard pass plays they're probably not going to win uh you know if they are they probably will um, so that's the kind of key to take away uh, for this one for me. I'm gonna, you know, I've been just taking USC and and giving the points the last several weeks, and it's been working. I'll, I'll do the same here on this one, Dave. I'll take USC to to cover under a touchdown, six and a half points in the Rose Bowl.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take USC to cover as well. Um, Trace McSorley, he's kind of an interesting guy because he's he's you know this offense is built around the deep ball, and he's done pretty well throwing it. But when you watch him throw kind of a pop gun oh it's you weird know? It's, it's yeah it's there's not a whole lot there but he's just he i guess he's got that accuracy thing that jake browning has going on where it's just it's gonna fall where it needs to fall every single time um and just ball placement very good but i think against this athletic um you know talented playmaking secondary that usc has i think he might get into a little bit more trouble with some of the deeper stuff um Saquon is kind of a boomer bust running back. Um, you know, he's not a guy who just churns five yard gain, five yard gain, five yard gain, which I think is kind of what you need to do against USC. I think you need to play some ball control and really pound the rock, pound the rock. He's kind of a explosive play and then, you know, one yard loss, explosive play, one yard loss. And I don't know that you can necessarily count on the explosive plays, you know, play after play after play against USC. Um, I think USC wins. Uh, I think they win. I don't want to say handily, um, but I think Penn State's been a little inflated by what was sort of a... I mean, it was a win over Ohio State, but it was kind of a a fluky win. Um, Other than that, they played a lot of trash. I mean, they beat Wisconsin, but they were down by three touchdowns at one point in that game, and it was just kind of a strange game. They lost by 39 points to Michigan, which I think is probably the best replica for the athleticism that USC's going to bring to bear. Um, Ohio State, too, but I think Michigan is a good replica for it, too. Um, So... Yeah, I think USC wins, and I think it'll actually be fairly comfortable. I think they win by probably 10 to 14. Um, I, I think Penn State's a good, solid team. I don't know that they're at the level that USC is right now.
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, You know, we'll see. Um, I just like the way this USC defense has been playing. Now, they've given up some big, some big plays, and if Penn State does that, like I said. But when you saw them, some of the big pass plays against Wisconsin, Dave, it looked like a little... 5'7 guy was trying to jump up and defend the pass. It was just kind of like they weren't like perfect passes hitting guys in stride. They were like underthrown, and the DB didn't know what he was doing, and the guy goes up and catches it and makes a big play. I just don't think that's going to happen as much against SC.
0: No, and I I think it's, I mean, it could be very similar to the Washington game. I think, I think McSorley is kind of like a poor, poor man's Jake Browning, and Browning had a lot of issues against USC's secondary, and I think McSorley could have similar, and, um, yeah, I just think uh, USC is kind of primed to end the season strong. And I think from a motivation standpoint, you know, you always have to worry about the L.A. team, <laughs> you know, whether it's USC or UCLA in a bowl game, whether they're going to be motivated for it. I think for the Rose Bowl, USC is going to be up for it, especially after the way they started the season. I don't think motivation is going to be a factor. And if this team is up for the game, um, their talent's going to, I think, just win out pretty strongly. All
3: right, we'll see. Uh should be a good one. Uh, what's that, number five and number number nine? nine? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pretty good one there. And then this is the one. This is the one with the potential to be two. Um, I don't know if you know this team. There's a team called Alabama that's pretty good. And uh-huh. they'll be taking on
1: our very own Washington Huskies. All
0: right, on New Year's Eve, but thankfully at 12 Pacific. Um, so not, not, not. Not gonna impinge too much on festivities on ESPN. Number four, Washington playing number one, Alabama. Washington's 12 and one, Alabama's 13 and zero. In the Peach Bowl college football playoff semifinal in Atlanta. Alabama favored by 14 and a half. That is the biggest spread of any Pac-12 bowl game. Um, yeah. Let's, let's, let's hear from our man Fetters before we weigh in.
2: All right. Here you go. This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com covering the University of Washington for the Scout.com network, and uh, here giving you guys a bit of a preview for the Peach Bowl between number one Alabama and number four Washington, and the game will be played on New Year's Eve at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta at 12 o'clock uh, Pacific time, three o'clock Eastern. And um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I know there's there already been a lot to talk about in this game in terms of just the kind of David versus Goliath mentality, East Coast versus West Coast, SEC versus Pac-12, and all that good stuff. Um, I think the oddsmakers opened this game up at about a 14 to 16-point uh, spread for the Crimson Tide, which doesn't sound wholly unreasonable. Probably could be more um, if they weren't dealing with some injuries and, and some other things like that. But, again, you know, you're talking about the number one team in the country the Alabama Crimson Tide, um, a powerhouse they they seem to be doing it on all fronts, especially defensively. Um it's really hard to find a a a weak link in that defense. And and, you know, I, I know a lot of Crimson Tide fans are probably asking what could that defense have possibly been if, if they had been able to stay healthy, if they had kept Eddie Jackson healthy, their all American defensive back for the entire year. Sean Dion Hamilton, players like that. So um it's going to be a really, really, really tough task for Washington's offense, but uh, they have shown that they're pretty potent in their own right, and um, and can get the job done and move the chains. Now, the only question is, can Jake Browning rise to the occasion? Sophomore quarterback has a touchdown to interception ratio of 42 to 7, but arguably his three worst games were probably Washington's toughest three games at home in their loss against their lone loss against USC and also on the road at Utah and the Pac-12 title game against Colorado. Even though they blew out Colorado, it was really a defensive effort, getting three interceptions in the third quarter. Browning went nine for 24 on the night. He, he really managed the game uh, pretty well, despite obviously not having his A game uh, throwing the ball. So, you know, at this point, it really does look like it's going to be a pretty titanic struggle for Washington to get going offensively against the, uh, a defense in Alabama that's nearly scored as many times as touchdowns they've given up, which is such an astounding statistic. I don't even know where to begin. I've never even heard of such a thing at the collegiate level, uh, maybe at the high school level or something, but never in college, especially at the the power five level. I mean, the some of the things that they're doing defensively is just incredible, uh, starting with that defensive front with guys like Jonathan Allen and Tim Williams and, Anderson and all and then and just kind of goes on and on and on so Washington obviously has their uh their work cut out for them offensively defensively I think this is an offense that Washington can hang with they really have to disrupt Alabama's uh true freshman quarterback Jalen Hurts they really have to get after him a little bit take him off his spot but at the same time they need to contain him they cannot allow him to get loose and use his legs as a weapon he ran for nearly a thousand yards this year, so he basically is an, uh, an extra running back. And Washington's done an okay job. They, they obviously gave up a ton of yards against uh, Arizona with Brandon Dawkins, but and then who was obviously banged up. They handled him very well. So those are probably the two biggest threats in terms of running the ball that they've seen this year. And um, I think in terms of the secondary, they really can uh, kind of disguise and disrupt things for Hertz, kind of get his eyes a little uh, funky, as it were. And then special teams, I think they have a chance in terms of they've got some return guys as well. You know, obviously John Ross and Dante Pettis have done a really, really good job returning the ball this year uh, for Washington. So they're going to have to be great in all three phases. Chris Peterson has talked about it many times, that you know, they're going to have to play their perfect game. This is going to be by far the toughest test that Washington's faced all year. And um, and clearly, I mean, you know, for a chance to go to the national championship game in Tampa on January 9th, they're going to have to play their absolute best. You know, at this point, I'm not envisioning a Washington win. In fact, I think if they can keep it, you know, to a low double digit number, I think that really bodes well for them at this point. But you never know. I mean, a lot of funky bounces. Washington certainly has to win the turnover battle, which they've done really, really well all season long. That's one thing that they have done uh, better than nearly everyone else in the entire country. So they have to keep doing that really well. And then again, with, with all Titanic struggles at that, uh, at that level, You've got to, you've got to be able to run the ball a little bit. You've got to certainly be able to stop their running game and then, like I said, win the turnover battle and then certainly win the battle of field position and special teams. If they can do those things and that's a, an incredibly tall order, uh, they've got a chance. They've absolutely got a chance in this game, but, uh, at this point, no one's really counting on them to do that. Um, Alabama has certainly just gone off, gone after people and imposed their will and that's what Washington has to worry about. You know, they need to weather the storm early. This is, you know, essentially a road game uh, for Washington because the Georgia dome is going to be three quarters, uh, you know, red. And, um, and so they're going to have to withstand that early pressure, get through the first quarter. If they can get through the first quarter and it's either scoreless or Alabama's ahead, maybe three nothing or something like that, then it could be a whole different game and they can really kind of build off that and, uh, and go from there. But if they get overrun early, obviously it could get into a, a really dangerous situation, could, could turn into a rout. So really interested to see how this Washington team responds to another road situation. There were 5-0 and in the Pac-12 on the road this year. I think they're the only team in the country that has five, 12, or five uh, road wins in conference. So, uh, again, they've been able to withstand the challenges. They've been able to, to face the adversity on the road and, and come away as, as successful road dogs. So we'll see how that works out. So, again, looking forward to it. I think it should be a great game, and uh, hopefully they can represent the Pac-12 well. All
0: right. Good stuff from Chris. Um, yeah. Uh, Alabama's a really good football team. Um, they they haven't lost a football game this year. Um, they've beaten some pretty good teams by a lot of points. Um yeah, uh, the closest game they played in a while was a ten to nothing win over LSU, and I think the nothing is the most significant part to think about in terms of this upcoming game, um, because I think Washington's offense has proven to be very very good, except when it's going up against kind of a, a, a pretty athletic defense, um, and that was USC uh, a few weeks ago. Um, they managed just thirteen points against the Trojans. Um, they didn't manage a whole lot against Utah. Uh, the, the offense actually wasn't great against Colorado. Jake Browning was not good. Um, yeah, I, thought, I thought Chris was a little bit kind to refer to that as a game management performance. I thought uh, Browning was very bad in that game. Um, I kind of think, well, yeah, I, I'm just going to pick mine. I think Alabama wins by like 28 points. Um, there's some Chris Peterson magic you have to take into account. He's going to have some trick plays and stuff, and I am taking that into account. And I still think Alabama wins by about four touchdowns.
3: Yeah, they're just really freaking good. I saw them in person, and Chris was talking about, yeah, you know, if it's three to nothing after the first quarter, I mean, I they, saw USC for- with USC had a lead in the middle of the second quarter, and then Did
0: Florida, Florida was up three nothing, weren't they at one point? Yeah, I think so and then they lost fifty-four to sixteen. <laughs>
3: Yeah, USC lost. What was it, fifty-two to six? And they were winning yeah. like in the second quarter. Yeah, you don't beat Alabama. That just doesn't happen. So, okay, great. It's uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, you got a better shot if it's close after the first quarter, and you got a way better shot if it's close in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin is now going to be the Florida Atlantic head coach. He's still going to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's important, I think, for him to win a national championship and and go back to back. Everyone would want to do that. But I think it's more important for his career that he's looking to try to do something big with Florida Atlantic. So, if I don't believe for a second that he's a hundred percent focused on the Peach Bowl, does Um, it matter? Huh? Does it matter? No, yo. But yeah, but even with that, like that's the only negative I can think of right now. Um, I don't think it's gonna matter. Like you said, Jake Browning was not impressive. Uh, in that game, I mean, we were talking what there was like a handful of completed passes in the first half of that championship game. I just don't think that's going to, that kind of effort's going to get it done. Not that Washington's going to necessarily come out and play that way, but you, you, you're, you want this Washington offense to get significantly better against a significantly better defense. And that's a lot to ask. You know, um, I'm not ruling anything out, but. You're, you're putting your money down. It's like I would every time I would be taking Alabama and laying the points. There's just no way I could justify not doing that. Now I, I sure I'll, I'll give Washington a chance. You know, there's a chance there. I mean, it's not like it's impossible they could win, but like Chris was saying, a lot of things are going to have to go the Huskies way. And then we've seen that happen for teams where a lot of things kind of go their way and then it still kind of falls apart at the end. It's like you got to have a lot of things go your way, Dave. And then. You know, put the put the cherry on top and somehow get the, the next craziest thing to happen in your favor. I just don't see all that happening.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I think Washington would have to run the ball, and I don't think he run the ball in Alabama. I think Leonard Fournette didn't run the ball in Alabama, so I don't see Miles Gaskin and LeVon Coleman doing it. Um, and I don't think they're going to throw the ball all that well. I think offensively, I think if you're Washington, I mean, what's your goal in this game? To probably put up 20-plus as an offense? I think that's got to be your, like, stretch goal and then you've got to hope that your defense is enough to just really ugly up Alabama's offense I don't think it's out of the question but I just I think it's a really really hard sell I think they would have to play their absolute perfect game and I think Alabama would have to play like a 70% game and I think if that happens I think Washington has a chance um, but I'm gonna figure Alabama plays at a pretty high level I think Washington will play at a pretty high level but I think these two teams, there's just, there's a stark difference talent wise, especially with the injuries that Washington's had defensively, that I just think it's going to be a little bit too much for the Huskies.
3: Okay, so to recap, uh, so there, we differed on two games, but if people wanted to recap our picks at the end. Um, we both took Minnesota getting 10.5 points against Washington State. We both took Indiana getting 6.5 points against Utah. We split. You took uh, Colorado minus three. I took Oklahoma State plus three. We split on Stanford. I took Stanford minus two and a half. You took North Carolina outright. Oh, you said Indiana outright as well. Yep. Um, the the Alabama-Washington game, we're both taking Alabama laying the 14 and a half. And USC-Penn State, we're both taking USC laying the six and a half. Sounds good. Sweet. All right. Well, that's our bowl previews. Thanks to all our scout.com experts um i did have a question dave that was emailed to me for you so i thought i would read that if that's okay and then there was there was a couple other ones i guess you can read the other two i think there's i think there's a couple more i think there's one more one more okay earl in west la said thanks for addressing my question about the difference between the bowl selection process and the basketball tournament selection process i have a follow-up question you said the bowl games are essentially exhibition games which is why you believe the process should take the entire body of work into consideration. Isn't in the best interest of the bulls to consider the best team at the end of the season, as well as the one with the best body of work. Uh, is it not just a reward to the schools, but is also about the business of TV uh, ratings and selling tickets. I realize this is not perfect, but it creates more opportunity to put the best product on the field. Thanks again for the great podcast. Your chemistry is dynamic and I, for one, Thoroughly enjoy what you do. Happy holidays, Earl in West L.A.
0: Thanks, Earl. Happy holidays to you as well. It's a good question. I think there's a lot that plays into it. I think quality of the team at that point in the season has to play a factor for sure. But then you look at, all right, um, like, are there? Is it going to be a bunch of team people traveling into the city? So for the Rose Bowl, for example, I think this was kind of the context of the original discussion. No no USC fan is staying in a hotel in Pasadena, right? Or staying in downtown or whatever it is. Colorado fan, maybe, you know, 10,000 of them travel out, 20,000, whatever the number is, um, come out for the game. They stay in hotels. They do the whole thing, um, boost the economy a little bit. Not that it's that significant over the holidays because LA is getting a bunch of tourist traffic anyway. Um, but that probably plays a role. TV dollars play a bunch. Um, I, I I think it's probably just a weighted thing. There's a lot of different factors that play in um, to the point where I think you could point to any one thing as the primary factor for why a team gets selected to a bowl game. Um, for my part, I that's just kind of my feeling on it. But I, I think there's there's so many factors that play into it for a bowl that it's it'd be foolish to like criticize them over much for picking a particular team over another one because they're, they're factoring in a ton of different things. Um, and you've also got to factor in how recently has a team played in that particular bowl? Like most bowls in the pac 12 aren't going to pick a team in back to back years or even, you know, two out of three years because they want to you know split it up and get some new teams in the area and the whole, you know, that whole deal. So, um, and I think it changes based on the bowl. I think particular bowls, you know, I think for like the sun bowl, for example, in El Paso, they want the tourism dollars, but they also want to see different teams because they have a whole historical cachet with their bowl game. It's one of the, I think four oldest bowls and they want to rotate some teams through. Um, you know, if there's a team that, you know, previously had come through and had a really good experience, you know, 10 or 15 years before they want to get them again. Um, and they, uh, they really build relationships with the teams. And I don't know if it's the same for like the Vegas bowl, um, which probably does just want, you know, whoever's going to come with the most fans and fill the most hotel, hotel rooms. Um, but I think it varies depending. And I think there's a ton of factors that play in for my part, because of all those factors, I consider it basically a wash and I would prefer to see the team that I would just prefer them to see go in order essentially, yeah. of you know, who won the pack 12. That's the team that's either going to the Rose bowl or going to the playoff. And then after that, it's, Whatever the division leader was who lost in the championship game, they go to the Rose Bowl because they had the best, the second best season, unless, you know, there was something crazy in the other division. But that's just my feeling on it. I, and I, and I, I, I don't get me wrong. I really don't care strongly. That should be the drive, <laughs> the driving thesis of all of this should be, I really don't care that much.
3: I think there was some confusion too that they, it felt like there was some political choice or whatever. I mean, this is talking about the Rose Bowl, like, uh, Colorado or USC, but I think, you know, when they made it clear that the Rose Bowl said they're going to pick whoever's ranked highest in the college football playoff. Then you wonder, does the playoff committee get any pressure or do they take that into consideration? Um, I'm not really sure if they did. But, I mean, I'm sure they had to realize that between 9 and 10, you could have Colorado or, or USC. Yeah. Did they know, well, that's we're picking who goes to the Rose Bowl. And so we want this team or we want that team. I don't know if that took place.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if it did. Um, and I think, that, I mean, it's justifiable. I mean, USC I, USC had a good claim. I mean, they were the hottest team in the Pac-12 by the end of the year. I think there were a lot of arguments and a lot of fair arguments that they were the best team in the Pac-12 by the end of the year. Um, they beat Washington in the final quarter of the season, so um, I, I think there's a lot of legitimacy to their pick. I don't think it's like the case where you know USC was some also ran eight and four team and they got picked over Colorado because they were within a few spots in the rankings I don't think it was that I think it was you know two legitimately good teams and USC had the kind of hotter streak and they are a bigger name and so I think that maybe plays a role I think Colorado there would have been a lot of Colorado fans filling up seats in the Rose Bowl but yeah I don't think you uh I don't think you can discount what USC did at the end of the year all right we had one other question you said yeah one other one um this is just a recruiting question um hi Ryan and Dave this is from Anthony uh, who are your five favorite recruits in order for the 2017 class? Thank you, Anthony. Jeez. All right, my number one guy um, is actually. Uh, I'm going to go Darnay, um, and I want to. I want to preface that I think he's going to Ohio State. So anybody <laughs> who thinks I think he's going to UCLA? Just I, I I think he's going to Ohio State, and I think he's my favorite player in this class. Um, you know, a lot of other guys get a little bit more hype. But I actually think he's one of the more dynamic athletes I've seen. Um, you know, great DB, but also I think if he wanted to play offense in college, and I kind of think he should, I think he would be a super explosive threat with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he's got a lot of dynamicism. I think he's a lot like a lot of these SC guys. Uh, SC's gotten over the years, a Dory for one, but I think Darnay might even be a little bit... <sighs> A little bit more of an explosive athlete. I think Adori's certainly very fast. I think Darnay's got a little bit more explosion to him. And, uh, I think he'd be very interesting on both sides of the ball. Who's your number one guy?
3: Oh, man. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. It's hard to say. He's up there. Um, I like Joseph Lewis a lot.
0: Yeah, me too he's who's going to Nebraska or maybe USC
3: yeah he might um but you know when I would watch Najee Harris play, yeah, he's fun, I mean he's really I just liked him a lot, starting with the seven on seven stuff. I think we Scott, we have him like number one, right do we have him as number one player number or one no one, number one, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, which is that I don't know if that's kind of a cop out picking him number one, but I don't know, I think it's legitimate. Um, you know, USC still, you know, trying to get him not gonna happen, you know. I don't know if he ends up in a they're also not gonna get him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's just one of those guys that I feel like is gonna make a easy transition to college, which not is always the case. And he's just I just feel like he's gonna come and play as well in college as he does in high school. I just I just get that feeling about him. And he's not one that talks all the time. So you don't really get you don't get overexposure. From him, but like our our guy Brandon Huffman is able to to talk to him a lot, you know when, yeah. when you get him. So I, I'd probably
0: put him number one, Dave. You mean best in the business, Brandon Huffman? Brett, yeah. Apologies, he's Apologies Greg Bigham, but best in the business, Brandon Huffman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now they're, they're co-best in the business. We don't have preferences here. Um, all right, so that was my number one. That's your number one. I'm going to go really quick through my number four, my number two through five. Well, wow, I can't I can't even count. Um, I'm a Stephen Carr guy, actually, over Najee Harris. Um, uh, I like his style a little bit more. I think he's got a little bit of Royce Freeman to him. And that just translates a little bit more to playing pure running back in college for me. I think Najee's going to be great. Um, I, but I think I like Stephen Carr a little bit more. Um, Jalen Phillips is a super stud at defensive end. He's the, uh, UCLA commit. So, just so everyone knows, this is going to be pretty West Coast centric because, well, that's. That's what we see. That's what we do. Um, Jalen Phillips is my number three. Um, I think he's a, a potential stud at defensive end. Um, can rush the passer super, super well. I've loved Tate Martell for a really long time. Um, I think he's going to be a dynamic player in college. And I'm going to round it out with Joseph Lewis. Um, I've liked him since... I mean, when were we first watching Joseph Lewis? Was this two springs ago? I think so. When he was like 14. Yeah. And he's already <laughs> like six one and just a freak. Um, you know, he, he's... Somewhat inconsistent motor at times, but when he's going, um, he's got such a weird dynamic package of tools. I mean, he's like six three, two ten ish, but super fast, great hands, um, can leap, uh, and can really play with some edge when he's when he's super locked in. And I think he will be in college, so I think he's a really fun player to watch. But that'd be my top five.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, it's funny it's West Coast centric, but there's a lot of top ten guys. Like I would put. After notch, I'd probably put Holmes there. And he's I do think he ends up going to uh the the Ohio Ohio State. That's probably where he ends up going. Um Phillips is cool, I like him, but I would put I like Stephen Carr a lot. I've kind of covered him and the fact that you have two like five star running backs on the West Coast, both a little different. Um, both bring a whole lot to the table. They're you know, just I know they're both fun to watch. I think both of those guys are going to make the transition well. Um, we mentioned, uh, Joseph Lewis, which, um, I like a lot, but you, you, the guy you mentioned, Tate Martell, who I haven't really followed so much recently. Like it's not because, you know, USC hasn't been involved in him. Right. But I loved watching the kid play and I moved around and stuff, but you would see him at seven on seven tournaments and like, throwing the ball all over the place. I went to a Steve Clarkson camp. Him and Shea Patterson were going through like special drills and just killing it and just both doing great. I love Shea Patterson a lot. I think he's gonna do good things at Old Miss. But to what then Tate Martel was like, hey put me in that cornerback and put me in. He's like he's not a big guy. He's a little dude. Um but I sometimes and I'm I'm not a small guy, but I for whatever reason I start rooting for like the smaller guys in high school to make it to college and like do big things. Um yeah. And he's just kind of one of those guys that he can do, he's just such a good athlete. He can play all over the field. And uh, I'm curious to see what happens, uh, with him at the next level.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: So those are our top five. And I think that's it for us. Nice. Oh, hey, somehow we went hour and 15 minutes again. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we do this. Like no matter what, I, th- I thought it'd be a short one and it, it ended up not me. No, not so much. Uh, cool. All right. You have anything else, Dave, or we should wrap it up. Let's wrap it up wrap it up. uh. David's a little under the weather, so hope you're feeling better, Dave. You had some hot tea?
0: Yeah, I drank a bunch of hot tea, so hopefully I sound okay. I, could, um, yeah. I was I, broken pretty bad before this. I could not tell at
3: all. So, uh great stuff. That is David Woods from Bro. This is Ryan Abraham from USFootball.com. Hope you guys enjoyed our little Pac-12 podcast, the podcast of champions, and we will talk to you next time. We'll do a recap show after the Rose Bowl, and we'll come back hopefully, hopefully, do a preview of the national championship as well. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time.